This is Anthony Manfredi. Hi, this is Opal Alipat. And this is the Performance Management TechCast podcast. Welcome to the Performance Management TechCast. We are recording this in October 2020, and this is our third episode. Today, we are delighted to have with us Catherine Watkins from OneStream and Jordan Drummond from Alithia. People may not know this, but my first real job out of college was to help a company in Manhattan with an implementation of Hyperion Enterprise. It was an insane project, way over budget, timeline was crazy, and I can't believe we actually finished it. But I learned so many lessons about teams and project work that I still take with me today. I became the eventual administrator of that system and joined Hyperion a few years later. When I joined Hyperion, my focus changed to planning and budgeting, but consolidation has always been an interest of mine. I have worked with Catherine while we were at the Hacker Group for many years, and she has vast experience in this space. And I know she knows how to work with some challenging clients. I'm excited to meet Jordan, although via Zoom, he's always been extremely helpful with FCCS and has an excellent reputation in this space. Today, we want to discuss the closed process with our experts. What are the problems organizations are facing and how technology can help solve these problems? Although our panel currently implement different software solutions, we're not trying to have a feature comparison, but understand how the vendors can help in this space. Different opinions and approaches are always appreciated. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, Catherine and Jordan. Let's do a proper introduction. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, Opal and Anthony, and thank you for inviting me to join your podcast. My name is Catherine Watkins. As Anthony said, I work for OneStream Software. I'm a senior manager in the consulting services practice, and I've been working in this space since the late 90s. Not obviously at OneStream, but it's a newer company than that. I started off as an administrator, and I transitioned into being a consultant about 10 years ago. My original goal was to be an accountant, but along the way, I found that the idea of supporting the accounting team through the medium of technology was much more interesting. Thanks, Opal and Anthony, for inviting me to do this. So Jordan Drummond, I am a product manager at Alithia. I have kind of a a similar origin from Catherine in terms of what my experience is. Started off around 25 years ago, more or less, as an administrator on Hyperion Enterprise and we moved to HFM. I moved from that to consulting. Um, it was probably about 15 years ago. Joined Hyperion, stayed on through uh, the Oracle acquisition, and then finally jumped to Renzel, which is now Alithia today. Let's get started. Talk to us about consolidation and close. What part of the business or an organization typically owns this, and and what does this entail? Sure. So typically, this is the uh, finance or the accounting group within the organization that owns this controllers organization. So whatever group, the name may change, may vary by by the company, but whoever is responsible for external and sometimes some of the internal reporting and managing basically the financial close process. And sometimes it could be the actual finance group who's responsible for managing this, or they might have a dedicated financial systems team that are also IT that manages the, the actual software solution process is managing the entire financial close process, producing financial statements ultimately um, that need to be passed on either internally or externally to stakeholders and could be some additional associated financial information along with the statements. So we're talking about financial statements. What are they doing to actually generate these statements? 
Well, they start off in the general ledger, and uh, they have to perform various tasks to close out the ledgers. And sometimes there may be multiple ledgers. In some companies, there are multiple software packages for different ledgers. It depends on, on the complexity of the organization. But once they've closed out there, then generally the process is to take that data and move it over into a consolidation tool. And the balances are what is transferred as opposed to transactions. The idea of a consolidation tool is to be able to work with data at a slightly higher level, still usually within the framework of looking at it by legal entity, and to uh, be able to perform consolidations accounting as data is rolled up the entity tree. And the end result is to produce financial statements that can be presented uh, to Wall Street or other indices, depending on if the company is public or not. But if the company is private, they may still be producing reports, whether for banks or for auditors, et cetera. So pretty much all types of industries or businesses could benefit or or utilize a function like this. Yes. I've done work with... uh, with telecoms, with manufacturers, with financial services industries, with IT organizations, pretty much any business, no matter how large or small, will find themselves performing this kind of work at the end of the month. So a lot of times we were asked, why can't they just use the ledger to do this? So I think one of the things that Catherine touched on is it's obviously in a multi-ledger situation, you're going to have to have some kind of tool that's going to bring together those disparate GL systems and bring them into a single chart so that you can actually create those financial statements. Even in the situation where you have a single uh, ledger, you may not have the reporting tools that you need uh, that actually perform the consolidation type adjustments that Catherine was alluding to a little bit. Let's say there are company eliminations, you might have ownership impacts, non-controlling interest, equity method investments, items like that, even translation. Those might be items that may not be handled so well by uh, the ledger's reporting system. So a consolidation tool basically perform all those functions after you get the data from the GL. Another thing is that a ledger is generally not capable of producing a fully automated statement of cash flows. Well, I wouldn't say that any tool really can do full automation. You can get close, but I don't see a ledger being able to produce that in a reliable manner. It's usually something where you have to get humans involved, looking at it after the fact and potentially evaluating the accounting impacts of it. Also, you may have a situation where the organization of the ledger in terms of which dimensions are being tracked, uh, et cetera, that may not match the way executives look at the organization. So there was one company I worked with uh, that did vacation timeshares. Their ledger was so different from what they needed to report on. They were taking basically tiny little slices of each account and reorganizing it uh, through the medium of mapping in order to get it over to the consolidation tool. What do you guys feel that clients are really trying to get done with this? Is it a faster close, manual work? How is the technology helping clients today? I do think customers of these solutions are trying to get to a faster close, basically. Um, And that might happen in several different ways. It might be through automation, so it requires less intervention on the part of employees. And also, we're seeing more that kind of the 
creating a structured process around the, the closed process can kind of simplify the communication chain. So then you're, you're not overly reliant on emails and other means to, to coordinate activities, but you can track them and you can execute them in a more efficient manner. As far as getting to a faster close, there's a variety of ways you can get to that. Use of daily calls is a regular method that people use, but it also can get a little bit cumbersome because you may not find people performing their tasks until they're called them on. What does seem to help in that is if you have, if you combine, say, daily calls with a list of things that people know they have to do, and if they are also able to go in and take control of it by saying, I know what I have to do. I'm going to check off whenever I'm done. That way I don't even have to worry about being tagged on one of these calls. Consolidation softwares uh, usually will have some sort of medium where you can manage the tasks of the close. Jordan also said, uh, mentioned uh, intercompany matching. Uh, that's a huge piece of it. Uh, GLs have gotten much better about managing intercompanies, but it is still a weak point for many organizations. Finance professionals uh, who have access to intercompany matching are able to find their differences, resolve them in an expedient manner before corporate has to get involved. We talked a little bit about cash flows earlier. It, if you can collect and store that roll forward data and have your end users be able to uh, review the results, provide corrections if need be, answer any questions while they're in the process of closing the books, that's a lot more efficient than having to go back and ask them the questions after they're already done, but now you're working in the system. If you can automate those sources for the role forwards, that's even better. And a last idea would be storing topside adjustments. There are too many cases, even in large organizations today, where st storing topside adjustments through the medium of Excel is still being used. And that gets into a whole area of did someone get hold of, say, the, the wrong version of a spreadsheet and a topside was lost as a result because they didn't have the most recent version. And then you get through to the final reported numbers and the company has to issue a correction later on. Or you get into a case where a, fi a file had a wrong formula. It's very iffy. It's an iffy proposition to store your top sides in something that is offline. It is much better to store them in a way that you can continue to accurately report even in the future, if you have to go back and look at those numbers. Yeah, I mean, Excel never has problems. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's a great but we idea. All love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what important trends are you seeing in the consolidations and closed space today? And has COVID 19 impacted any of those trends or even created new trends? I'd say from uh, from a solution perspective, I feel like the space is kind of expanding to include kind of more of a comprehensive look at the closed process. So, you know, we've been talking about data that comes out of the ledger and, and starting with the trial balance. Well, it's kind of extending beyond that now. We're not just focused on kind of post-GL data anymore, but now kind of expanding into account reconciliations and um, the tax process you're kind of looking at the entire process and, and looking at ways of making that kind of more efficient. So that seems to be one trend. From the COVID impact, it seems like it's accelerated the need for change in a lot of organizations. Now that finance teams are not together, they've, they've been forced to work a little bit more efficiently. 
And I'd say from a, a solution delivery perspective um, in consulting companies like ours, obviously we've shifted 100% online and we were kind of heading in that direction anyway, but this kind of hastened that and, and kind of brought it to fruition. Definitely, I would agree. I think most consolidations accounting groups, I think many were, were better positioned to be able to transition to online. In some organizations, people work very long hours and they have the ability to work from home. So I think the capabilities were already there and it's just made it the, we hope, temporary reality for many people. It also sort of led to the Blur's Day phenomenon of, well, you know, everybody knows that with COVID-19, no one is going, uh, is supposed to be going out. <laughs> if that's the case, then you know that people are at home and they might just be bored and they're probably working even on a weekend or a late night. So you probably are going to find them up and willing to answer a question if you've got one. Uh, so you tend to find people who are working long hours all the time at this point. Talk to us about your personal technical journey. What are you using as your technology of choice today? And what do you think the vendor is doing right? Working for OneStream, of course, I'm going to say that my, my personal choice would be OneStream. But my journey is I started by administering Hyperion Enterprise and later HFM. And then at some point, I, I left the, uh, the world of administration working for individual companies, and I became a consultant. That was in response to the problem, I think, that anybody who tries to uh, live in this space where you are bridging finance and te technology, eventually you get to a point where you can't rise up much higher in the organization because you're going to have to pick one of those two horses. You're going to have to either be a finance professional or be an IT professional. And I didn't want to make that choice. So I became a consultant so I could keep doing this. So once I did become a consultant, I worked with HFM for a number of years. And then in the last three years, three and a half now, uh, I've been a OneStream consultant. I actually heard about OneStream, the idea of it, from a fellow consultant uh, that I was working with on a project. This was before he had joined. He had become aware of OneStream uh, when it was in its founding stages and had talked with the folks who were forming it but they weren't ready to, to get going yet. And he mentioned it. I thought it was interesting that these particular folks, Tom Shea and Bob Powers had got together. And then I remembered that conversation and I decided I'm going to try something a little bit different. So I called up folks over at OneStream. I put in my resume. I was very thankfully accepted and it's been a journey since then. It's been awesome because it is one platform. So I've had the opportunity to get involved in some, uh, some planning work, of which I'm still dipping my toes into that space, but it's something that I find interesting. Careful, once Great. you start doing planning, you might not want to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the rules of the consolidation space. Yeah, planning there's no rules in planning. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> To me, OneStream is the best of all. It was founded by Tom Shea, who was the founder of Upstream, the tool that later became FDM. It was also founded by Bob Powers, who was the creator of HFM. So if you are an FDM or HFM aficionado, you may find that intuitively OneStream 
feels familiar. The product is so much more than either of those two tools, though. It really is one integrated platform for importing data and performing consolidations and performing planning and forecasting. We have many large customers who have large data volumes, but OneStream has several means of managing this, um, whether it's through use of extensible dimensionality or analytic blend, uh, we have been able to accommodate those customers. Additionally, we have plug and play modules like Task Manager, which helps to manage the details of a close, you know, who's doing what, uh, or Reconciliation Control Manager, which we call RCM, which helps to keep the account recs going. We have various other modules that are out there, including a tax provisioning tool. We have developed many of these plug and play modules ourselves, and they're available for free to our customers. But we're also now inviting our partner community to develop modules, which uh, they can then sell on our uh, marketplace. Jordan, why don't you tell us about your personal technical journey? Sure. So kind of like I mentioned up front a little bit, I did start out as an end user and administrator on Hyperion Enterprise. And then I went to HFM. And I remember at the time being just excited that I had a true account hierarchy in HFM and not just a flat list uh, with a bunch of like uh, statements to to glue them together. I've stuck with the, with the Hyperion and Oracle trajectory kind of through the years um, and now working with the Oracle cloud equivalent Kind of what, what's been great about that is it is a SaaS solution. So it's basically, you know, one vendor, you're not trying to host somewhere else. And I think it just goes to the kind of the consumerization of IT kind of uh, trend. People are looking for a solution that is just, you know, you get a URL and you get a, an instance that you can work with. Um, you don't have to worry quite as much with, uh, with the hardware. It's also fully, kind of fully rounded, kind of like uh, Catherine had mentioned a little bit. On the Oracle side, there's quite a bit of functionality that they packed into the tool. It's not just consolidation. There's also kind of the close orchestration, the form of task management. There's supplemental data for collecting foot, uh, footnote and other information. So it's kind of everything that you would need for the close on one spot. I also like the fact that they've put a lot of -of out-of-the-box functionality um, based on best practices. And this is basically the same team that developed HFM kind of over the years. So they've looked at what customers were doing with the product and have baked in those best practices so that basically you have a common starting point. The other thing that's been great too is having a common foundation with some of the other business processes, planning and tax so it's, it's nice to have a common foundation and having something where you can use a common report writer basically across all of those modules. And the other thing too is that I've enjoyed the fact that it's a little bit less technical and a little bit more functionally oriented. So if you're somebody who's in finance, you don't have to worry quite as much about BB script. Obviously, if you want to do something very custom, you might get into the technical aspects a little bit. But I have appreciated the fact that a lot of the functionality that you that you can customize comes in the form of more kind of a wizard type interface that's that's a little bit easier for the business end user to to actually modify. In general, guys, what are the pitfalls that you see uh, clients making when they go to implement these solutions? And so I'd say one of the, the age-old ones is basically underestimating the amount of effort required for data validation during implementations. A lot of times uh, customers think you can you know, get a couple spreadsheets together and 
and line up the data and they expect everything to tie out the first time around. And obviously that's not never going to be the case. Probably another one too is uh, this could apply not just to consolidation, but to other projects is not committing enough internal resources to a project. A lot of times folks have day jobs and, you know, managers expect them to do that plus a project at the same time. And obviously that that's not going to lead to project success. Yeah. That data validation one is a big one. Catherine, anything, you, yeah, anything you'd like to add? <laughs> the only other one I, I, that comes to mind right away is once you've made the decision to implement a new consolidation tool, this is a golden opportunity for you to also look at your processes and do things a little differently. Yes, you want to have consistency and the ability to trace forward from your old tool to your new tool and making sure you've got the same, you're creating the same kind of results, etc. But if you only implement the new software and you fail to look at some of your processes, you're not going to get nearly as much benefit out of the new software. I think that's a good question that people need to actually ask their implementers, right? What are you bringing to the table other than just technical expertise? That's true. And some implementers will feel more comfortable perhaps than others in that area, because that's where you start to get into change management. But I think it's uh, not to discount. There are a lot of good ideas that internal groups have and they can, if they are freed up to say, Hey, you know what? We could do this differently. We could actually shorten this whole data collection process. We don't have to go through all these hoops because there's a, there's a shorter route and we can still get the same accuracy of reporting. We can uh, look at how we do our roll forwards maybe a little differently so that we are able to drive this down and have end users in the field actually getting involved in looking at the individual roll forwards and therefore being part of the cash flow process. So we're building it up from the ground floor as opposed to just someone sitting down and trying to do it once at the top of the organization. If you guys could develop a better mousetrap, what would your vision of it look like? And so I'd say one thing that um, that would be great to see is a little bit more kind of guided customization. I kind of alluded to that a little bit. So some of that is in place, like custom translation and consolidations where you're not writing a bunch of code. I would like to see more of that. I think it's, a, it's headed kind of in the right direction, at least with the, the stack that I'm working with. I would also say probably automation could be a little bit more end user friendly, I would say. In some cases, it can be a little bit technical, a little bit too daunting for business folks. For me, the better mousetrap uh, is already in place and it's, and it's one stream. <laughs> it really is an answer to so many shortcomings that I've seen in the past with other tools and in that it's scalable and can handle large data volume requirements because more and more companies are requiring that. They don't want to just live with a small data set going into their consolidation tool. They want to have huge amounts of data coming through there. Even if it's not always used for consolidation purposes, it might be used for their planning or their forecasting or whatnot. So being able to do everything all in one tool, it makes it so much more uh, holistic and all the groups are talking to each other using the same language. It does lead to better dialogue. It does lead to the ability to handle the large data volume requirements and the ability, therefore, to be able to handle management's reporting requests so that they can better run the business. They have the data they need to run the business. 
If someone wants to go into this field, what are the skills or temperament that make a good consultant in this space? And do you feel that some type of degree was acquired? And what would you recommend? A friend of mine actually asked me this recently. I'll tell you the same thing that I, I, that I said to her. My personal bias, being a former accountant or uh, an accountant who just doesn't practice, is that uh, I feel accountants have an easier time understanding IT than IT professionals have in learning accounting because they've already got the rigor of understanding uh, all the different nuances of the generally accepted accounting principles or the uh, IFRS statements that they've been following and keeping up with over time. Uh, Whereas an IT professional, yes, there is a legacy of knowledge that they are coming from, but accounting may seem to be a completely different world. I think a degree probably does play into it because it's very helpful in having a base of knowledge to start with. I would have to highly agree. It's better to be an accounting person who learns more about IT versus an IT person who learns more about accounting because I'm one of those people who learned IT more, but I went into planning and forecasting side than consolidations. To be fair, I had an 8 a.m. accounting class, but to this day, it's still somewhat (laughs) Greek to me. So I I think that that is really sound advice. (laughs) So I will tell you a quick story and then I'll, I'll get out of the way and let Jordan answer as well. Um, an ex-boyfriend of mine from long ago uh, said something that has always stuck with me. He was taking an accounting course because he wanted to launch his own small business. And he was so frustrated with it and exclaimed at one point, how on earth could you get an advanced degree in this? It's so dry. I could fart dust. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's great. (laughs) Jordan, what are your thoughts? I mean, Jordan, how can you follow that up? Uh, I I don't know. That's that's tough. That's really tough, actually. Uh, um, Yeah, I mean, I I would totally agree. It's been easier over the years to to teach, um, you know, the particular technical aspects of a product to somebody with a finance or an accounting uh, background than the other way around. CPA is obviously useful, but not always entirely necessary. But I do think having that that you know, finance or accounting degree is definitely preferable. As far as becoming a consultant in it, however, the thing about consulting is that you are usually paid more than comparable industry jobs. And that's because you don't have the chance to have much of a life at home. The question is, are you prepared to be gone four to five days out of the week to live out of your suitcase where you basically come home, dump the contents into the washing machine, repack and repeat uh, to make air travel your primary mode of commuting, to save your visits with your family and friends for the weekends only, to be unable to get to them quickly when emergencies happen, but you're out of town, be unable to get to uh, doctors or dentists. There's, dentists are usually the biggest culprit who often don't work on Fridays, which is the day that we're usually home. And to also, on top of all that, work long hours and keep the project going. So that's really the nutshell of consulting. And there are occasional positions out there where work is designated as remote support. But my advice is to be very, very sure of what you're getting into. 
because some recruiters will promise that they'll make an exception for you uh, on the travel. But in reality, the recruiter can't keep that promise, and nor can the organization that's hiring you, uh, if they're even aware of that promise. Consulting firms have to be able to send available skilled resources anywhere when they have a contract, because otherwise they're not going to survive very long. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love consulting, and I do find that there are many good things about it. It pays better than industry jobs. You get to go to all kinds of interesting places. Uh, and places that might not have even been on your bucket list because they're not famous, but you find that they're still very cool in their own way. And you meet all kinds of people. And you you also get this chance to see so much more of the product because you're constantly solving new problems that you wouldn't have encountered working with just one company. So it really comes down to do the pluses of this lifestyle, of this job, outweigh the minuses for you. Um, I'd say also experience in the field on a day-to-day basis is really useful as a consultant because it's one thing to kind of understand, let's say, one of these solutions and what they're supposed to do in theory. But if you kind of live through it and you kind of know the timelines and you know the effort that's involved with it, um, you'll have a greater appreciation for when you're trying to actually craft a solution for somebody and save them some time. So I feel like that is is essential as well. And a lot of times, you know, people get hired in and, and maybe they're fresh from school or whatever. And, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it really helps to have that practical kind of on the ground experience. And I'd say from a temperament standpoint, I think you do have to be a good listener. You have to pick up on nuances at the client. Sometimes they're describing something that you might have at a, an, another client, but they're just using different terminology. So you have to be able to kind of discern that um, and then translate that into something that actually needs to go into the product. And then, of course, be just creative and flexible. You're going to meet, like Catherine said, you're going to have new challenges each time. And so you have to think about something that you've applied in one situation and how can you apply that to the next one. Yeah, that's really good advice. I always looked for, uh, when I was looking at new consultants, if they worked in retail, if they had ever been yelled Mm. at as working from a cash register, because unfortunately, I've had some clients yell at me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I always thought it was always good um, to be yelled at. We want to thank you guys so much. This has been extremely, extremely interesting stuff. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Well, uh, if COVID-19 weren't on, uh, I would say, please go to onestreamsoftware.com and check out Splash, our once yearly software conference. We have one in North America, one in EMEA. We did make available uh, various Splash presentations because so many people, whether they were internal to OneStream or partners, so many people had prepared these great presentations. So we've been making them available virtually. Check out the companies and see what's available as far as uh, presentations. However, we're adapting basically to the COVID-19 era. I, w- I would plug K-Scope, the conference put on by Tug. It's a great experience. I've been the past few years, whether you're a participant or you're actually presenting, it's a lot of fun. Um, you learn a lot, and it's it's a great experience if, if you're interested in this space. So I would promote that as well. All right. So thank you both so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, and have a wonderful rest of the year. Thanks to you both for having us on here. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. The statements in this show represent the views of the participants and the hosts and not necessarily the views of any organizations they may be affiliated with. You can reach us on Twitter, Anthony at The Manfredi, 
and Opal at Woman in EPM with the hashtag PMTechCast. Please remember to subscribe to get the latest from the Performance Management TechCast.